Welcome to Tax and Super Australia's podcast, Tax Wrap, where we share developments, news and insights for all tax practitioners and SMSF professionals. If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes and share. We'd love to hear back from you, so send questions and comments, even suggestions for guest speakers, to podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au. Hello listeners, welcome to the Tax Wrap Podcast, episode 190-190. Who would have known we'd have done so many episodes, but uh, here we are. I'm your host, Steve Burnham, and uh, today we are speaking with uh, Simon Dorovich from A&A Tax Legal Consulting. Uh, and Simon's going to talk, tell us all about um, when people come to Australia. He's been on the podcast before about when people depart Australia and the tax implications uh, and etc. and more than just tax to watch out for there. But this time, uh, Simon's coming in to tell us about when people come to Australia and either stay here as a non-resident or eventually become a resident and all the implications, tax and otherwise, superannuation, there's a lot of things to consider. Hi Simon, thanks for being here again. Yeah, great to be on, Steve. Um, Simon Dovich from A&A Tax Legal Consulting with us today. Uh, now Simon, you have um, uh, dealt with the topic before of um, when people leave the country and go overseas, the tax implications of that, and today I believe you're talking about when the traffic's in the other direction, people coming to the country. Yeah, uh, that, that's right. Lucky sods, but um, <laughs> I'm, I know that you know, there can be tax complications, implications and um, problems to get over. So, um, yeah, can you explain a little bit about that? Or you were looking at uh, residency, I think, uh, as part of the, uh, the topic, a big part. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if, you've, if you're uh, approached by, by somebody who's uh, come to Australia or, or is, uh, you know, contemplating coming to Australia, then yep. uh, the first thing to determine is is their residency status. And mm. uh, th- that's obviously, you know, a case of applying the, the four tests, the, the resides test, the domicile test, the 183-day test, and the superannuation test. Right. Yep. Uh, but you're also uh, considering that, you know, there are other categories of, of being a resident, you, you can also be a, a temporary resident or a, a working holiday maker. And, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, those categories of individuals have their own special rules. Right, uh, right. You know, for example, a, a temporary resident, uh, you know, so very broadly speaking, it's you know, somebody that's come under a, a temporary visa or you know, is the, a spouse of uh, yeah, such an individual. Yeah. Uh, well, they're exempt from tax in Australia on foreign-sourced income, other than foreign-sourced employment income. Right. Uh, and also capital gains, uh, unless they're arising from taxable Australian property. Ah, okay. Uh, working holiday makers, for, for, yeah, for example, mm-hmm. uh, well, they have special tax rates. The, the first $37,000 of their taxable income yep. uh, is taxed at a flat rate of... Fifteen percent, and that's uh, without the t- tax-free threshold, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Right. Okay. Uh, and so, if their income for the year is under that thirty-seven thousand threshold, mm-hmm. then uh, they don't need to to lodge a, a return. Oh, okay. You need to look beyond whether or not they're a resident is yeah very very important to, yep. to determine, uh, but also consider are they a, a temporary resident or a working holiday maker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's also important to look at the uh, double taxation agreement. If, if they're coming from a, a country uh, that Australia has, 
has signed a, a DTA with. Okay, yeah. Uh, people can potentially be residents uh, under domestic law of, of more than one country. I was just thinking that because a working holiday maker uh, is obviously a citizen of another country, but is just here for a little while. So, yeah, yeah I see and, what you mean. and and so so if you've got a situation where you know somebody's a resident of country A and country B, mm. uh, well then go to the the DTA between those two countries, yep. uh, and you'll find uh, some tiebreaker tests. You can apply those tests to determine uh, well which country should I treat them as a resident of. Oh, okay. So let, let's say they uh, they do become a, a resident of Australia, right? Uh, well, when I was on the, the previous podcast and I talked about people who are departing Australia, uh, I mentioned uh, a particular CGT event, uh, I-1, uh, where they're, they're deemed to have disposed of their uh, the property that that's isn't right. you know, land and buildings in Australia or... There was that you know, case. An interest, a, you know, that's right. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's right. And uh, so it can lead to a... You know, a tax being payable uh, when when you leave Australia. Mm. Now, there, there's a broadly equivalent rule for uh, people who are coming to Australia and becoming a resident. Right. So, so let's say, you know, you're um, you're advising someone who's moving from Canada, say. Okay. Uh, and uh, they've got an investment property in Canada and. You know, it's being rented out and it's earning them uh, yeah, some some nice income and, yep. and they don't particularly want to sell it. But then they move to Australia, become a resident, and then, uh, you know, say a year later, they decide, okay, now it's time to sell. Uh, as, a, as a resident, yep. they're taxed on, you know, gains they make on sa- sales no matter where in the world so they're well located. But it would be a bit unfair to uh, for Australia to to tax that entire profit, yeah. given that for most of the ownership period of of this property they they weren't residents in Australia. No, that's true. Uh, so there's there's a special rule to uh, take so that into situations, account. Situations, yeah, yeah. Uh, and th- and that rule says on becoming a tax resident of Australia, any non-taxable Australian property. So, you know, taxable Australian property. You know, again is you know, it's land in Australia. It's uh, you know mining rights. Uh, it's a company that you know owns that you know the majority of its underlying assets yep. is land. Um, you know, provided you hold a, a non-portfolio interest in the company. Right. Yeah. So, so if you've excluding those types of assets, uh, any non-taxable Australian property uh, is deemed to have been acquired for its market value at the date that you become a resident. Ah, okay. So uh, so it's important to ask, you know, what investments do they hold and, you know, what's the market value of those investments at the time they, they become, become a resident. resident. So at that it's that little sample example that you had with the Canadian people owning a property in Canada, come to Australia, become a resident, at the time they become a resident, yep. they should, just to cover the bases, have a valuation of that Canadian property. Yeah, that's right. Just in case. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's okay. great. Okay. So another thing is to, uh, you know, if if they if they've come to Australia and and they're working in Australia, well, you need to think: Can Australia tax their uh, their income from employment? And well, you would think ordinarily, of course, if if they're working in Australia, 
Australia can can yeah can tax it. Yeah, you'd think. Uh, though there there might there might actually be cases where that's uh, not the case. That, yeah, where really? that's not the case. Okay, uh, and. If they're if they're a resident of uh, a foreign resident uh, of a country that Australia has signed a double taxation agreement oh, with, yeah, yeah. check out that DTA because it could contain uh, uh, something that prevents Australia from from taxing the income. Mm, okay. And so broadly speaking, you know that that exemption you know might be available where the foreign individual is present in Australia. For less than 183 days, oh, right. so yep. less than half the year, yep. the services are performed for a resident of the other country. Uh, so, if it's an Australian employer, the, the the employment income will be will be assessable. There's yep. you know exclusion won't be available. Right. Uh, and finally, the foreign individual's remuneration is not deductible in determining the profits of an Australian permanent enterprise of the employer. So even if they're a non-resident uh, empl- employer, the employer is a non-resident entity. Right. Uh, if they have a permanent establishment in Australia, um, yeah, and the yeah individual's remuneration is attributable to that permanent establishment, yes, yep. uh, then again, this you know, particular exemption won't apply. Doesn't but, apply. Yep. Uh, certainly worth checking out if. Um, you know, if they're coming for less than six months and yep. they're from a, a DTA country, then yep. you know, do you know, do have a read of do the DTA read to see if it's Just if it's applicable. Two things. I mean, you've dealt with permanent establishment in the past. I know that you you've quite extensively researched and told um, tax and super Australian members uh, all about that. And the double taxation agreements. So they're not all the same. No, the, the, uh, there's significant overlap right. uh, in terms of how they define a permanent but establishment, but really there are yeah there there are certainly differences be- between them okay. yeah, depending on yeah when they were signed and how the negotiations with the other country went. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah al- always go to the the specific DTA okay. that, that you're trying to to apply. So practitioners with people who come to Australia and become an Australian resident, what else should they keep an eye out on? Superannuation is uh, something to oh, yeah. to consider. There's something uh, called a bilateral social security agreement. Uh, so Australia has, has 22 of those with, with other countries. Uh, essentially, it's to, uh, you know, pr- to protect the employer from having to make super contributions in both... Uh, you know, in both countries. Oh, I see. Uh, and so, yeah, if there's a, um, a bilateral social security agreement that's been entered into, yeah. uh, then you can seek to apply a, a, apply for a certificate of exemption, uh, so that they won't need to pay super in Australia. Yeah. So, okay. you know, if if you're, uh, you know, advising a, an employer of somebody coming to to Australia, oh, that's, yeah, yeah. that's you know very much worth worth looking at. Worth Definitely. looking at. Yeah. Um, and there, there are also some uh, senior executives under certain visa subclasses mm-hmm. that they might not entitle be entitled to super contributions uh, in the first place. Really, from Australian employers. Yeah. Really. Okay. Yeah. And then on on their way out, you know, not everybody comes here permanently. Maybe no. they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're here as a, a temporary resident. Uh, you know, and receiving super contributions while they're here. While they're here, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, at the end of it, they've decided to to leave permanently, and they'd like to 
take their super with them. Naturally, yeah. Uh, And and they can do that uh, if they apply for a departing Australia superannuation payment. But the government will take out a pretty sizable chunk. They'll impose a final withholding tax of 35%. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Is Is that because the super fund was paying so little tax in the meantime? I suspect the real reason is that temporary residents aren't voting, and so, <laughs> could be. so they don't could have be. to worry too much about uh, upsetting yeah. them. Though, um, yeah, yeah, you, no, you could see. say that you know, argue perhaps the government should be doing more to uh, to encourage such people to to come. And oh, but well. you know, there's I suppose arguments either way. Yeah, you know? yeah. If yeah. they're working holiday makers and. Uh, super, yeah, they've received super contributions. Oh, right, yeah. The, uh, the withholding tax for them is, in fact, 65%. Oh, gosh. So... Um, they should stay in Australia, then. <laughs> yeah. Pay taxes here. So, uh, you know, they, they might might decide to not even bother, but if they do, then, um, you know, they should be aware that there's a you know, particular form they have to they have to lodge. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It's a, you know, DASP, DASP form DASP. to... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, to get the to get their money back. Yeah, yeah, and they might get it all back. Anything else that uh, uh, practitioners should, should remind their um, becoming a resident clients? Uh, yeah, there's uh, another kind of agreement that Australia has entered into with uh, the United Kingdom, Sweden, the Netherlands, Ireland, Belgium, Finland, Norway, Malta, New Zealand, Slovenia, and Italy, oh, okay. so uh, quite a diverse range of countries yeah, there, yeah. is uh, what's known as a reciprocal healthcare agreement. Okay, like Medicare, uh, that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, okay. that, that sort of thing. So uh, if you're a, a resident of a, of a reciprocal healthcare agreement country, yeah. then, then you're entitled to free treatment as a public inpatient okay. or outpatient in, yep. a, in a public hospital. Uh, to subsidise medicines under the pharmaceutical benefits oh, scheme, good, yep. to um, medical benefits for out-of-hospital medical treatment provided right. by a doctor, doctor, and um, limited subsidised health services for medically essential treatment while visiting Australia. Yeah, that, that's a good deal, actually. So, um, yeah. yeah, good to... Uh, yeah, good to know if you yeah, if you yeah. if you if you need it, and obviously if you're an Australian going overseas, then uh, you know those countries oh, you know will that, yeah. you know, will provide you with um, with some treatment, you know, some yeah some form of treatment yeah, you know, yeah. under certain conditions. No, I know. A niece has um, an American boyfriend who's in Australia working. He was complaining about having to pay for <laughs> medical stuff, and it's uh, it can get very expensive. But uh, mm. I'll just look at the list that you said there. It doesn't include the US, but um, no, <laughs> yeah. it's good to know. Okay. Simon, what about, um, not investment, but, uh, you know, some people who come to go to work for a company, um, some businesses offer employee share schemes, which is uh, always a a good benefit, a good thing to have. Mm. What about the income from those sorts of uh, deals? Yeah, well, often, uh, you know, people that that are being seconded to Australia Mm. uh, are often the more sort of senior executive types, Mm. and uh, they're... You know, more likely than junior employees to, uh, you know, to receive employee share schemes. Yeah, and, as part of and, remuneration, etc. Yeah, exactly right. You yeah. know, stock options, mm. uh, and you know, well, sometimes depending on the conditions of that scheme, there there might be a taxing point while they're they're in Australia. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. Uh, and so, if they're a uh, 
an Australian resident uh, at that time, uh, well, that that income is subject to tax in Australia. Naturally. Uh, if they're a, a foreign resident or a temporary resident mm. uh, while working in Australia or, you know, while the, whilst the, um, the, this taxing point occurs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it can, depending on the, the rules of the scheme, that can yeah. be, you know, deferred uh, from, you know, not necessarily when they received the, no, no. you know, the options or, or the shares. It can be some some later date. Yeah, when they're realised or mature or whatever. Yeah, then okay. uh, essentially what you need to do is work out, you know, what, uh, you know, to what extent does that income have an Australian source? Mm. You know, a, a non-resident is, you know, only taxed on Australian sourced income. Uh, and so to the extent that uh, the the employee share scheme income is Australian sourced, to, to the extent that it, it relates to a period of working in Australia, yeah. uh, then uh, Australia can you know, can tax that income uh, to the extent that it relates to a period working outside Australia right. and therefore is considered to have a, a foreign source, uh, then you know, that's beyond what, what Australia is, is permitted to tax. Okay. Uh, so, uh, you know, important to... You might need to, to do a bit of a, you know, do a calculation or ask... Yeah, well, when did you acquire them? Where have you been? You know, where, where have you been resident? working? You know, yeah, when? Uh, you know, when did they? You know, when do they vest or other? You know, whatever that taxing point is. Uh, you know, the, these are the sorts of questions you you should be asking. Yeah, yeah. And what, what about? I mean, if you have a share investment, say there's a capital gain, what's the treatment of that? Is it just all tied up with the same uh, arrangement? Uh, so for so once the typically under the employee share scheme rules once the they've been taxed under those provisions yep. there's a deemed acquisition uh, for their market value at that date for capital gains tax purposes okay uh, and uh, and then when they get sold uh, again you you look at the starting point is to look at the the resident status of of the yeah, you know, of the, the individual. Yeah. You know, if if they're an Australian resident, then they take pay tax on all their CGT assets. Yep. Yeah, uh, unless of course uh, you know there's some other exemption that applies. Uh, if they're a foreign or a temporary resident, then uh, they'll only pay tax on uh, on the the gain if the asset is taxable taxable Australian property. Right. Uh, so, if you're talking about employee shares, you know, oh, shares yeah. that you know were acquired via an employee share scheme, yep. you know, if they're, uh, it's probably not going to be uh, CGT payable by a, a foreign or temporary resident, right? Because, you know, you remember, you know, one of the things I talked about earlier was yep. that the the majority of the underlying assets have to be, uh, t- you know taxable Australian property. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the principal asset test uh, and the the shareholder, the individual, has to hold, uh, you know, non-portfolio interest. You know, if they hold, you know, a fraction of a percent in, in the oh, company, well, yeah. uh, then it doesn't matter what the, the underlying assets are, They, you know, it's not taxable Australian property no, and no, therefore as a, you know, foreign or temporary resident, they, they won't okay. have to pay tax. So. Right. Uh, so you're always needing to go back to to their residency status to to work out which which rules to apply. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and also and time that if they're resident, non-resident, 
it's all, all got to be worked out with a fine tooth comb, really. Yeah, and you know, and then you, you've also got the, uh, you know, that the deemed acquisition rules that are, that I mentioned. So that's right. So there's uh, uh, the potential application of the DTA. There's there's all you know can get quite complicated. Lots of things to to take into Lots account. Of bits of string to tie together. Yeah, <laughs> there's certainly other things to to consider. You know, for example, mm-hmm. there's. Uh, you know, if they're receiving interest income or dividend income or, or rental income, okay, yeah. you know, there's <coughs> a few other know, things d- to look d- at. Thing, you know, different rules to look at. Yeah. You know, yep. what in terms of deductions and, you know, what can they claim as, as a resident and a non-resident? Uh, claim as deduction, yeah, yeah. I see. You know, whether or not they're entitled to yeah. to offsets and, uh, you know, foreign income tax, tax offsets is obviously... Uh, one that you know could very well be be relevant. Yes, and yes. So there's plenty of other things to uh, well actually to take in mind. You, but you you actually comprehensively covered uh, all this in the um, the upcoming April issue of the Taxpayer Magazine. Yeah, um, I, I was going to say for for those things, uh, uh, and for a more in depth discussion of yeah. the other things we've we've talked about. Uh, I'd the, encourage the, readers to. Uh, have, to a, look have a look April, at that article. The April Taxpayer. That's available to members as part of the uh, as member benefits. But um, anyone else out there, if they're willing to join uh, Tax and Super Australia, you'll get that magazine um, as part of your benefits. But Simon has explained very comprehensively in that article about uh, all we've touched upon today and more. Yeah. Well, and, and there's also uh, in the... When I came on to talk about individuals who are departing Australia, oh, yeah, I mentioned way. that... A Tax Legal Consulting had, had written a guide for for those people and yep. you know, to walk them through the, the tax and super consequences uh, of you know of departing. Yep. Uh, we also have a guide for uh, oh, individuals who, who are arriving. Oh good, and, okay. You know, we, we made the departing Australia guide available to tax and super members and yep. uh, yeah, a number of them have since uh, emailed me oh, to good. take up that offer and right. you know we'd be very happy to uh, uh, to do the same for those who are interested in uh, our guide for individuals uh, arriving in Australia oh, so, so if, you, if you'd like a copy then uh, yep please feel free to email me at uh, simon uh, s-i-m-o-n dot durovich d-o-r-e-v-i-t-c-h at aa.tax. Excellent. Fantastic. And if you can't remember that or you don't want to play it again, just a podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au and I'll pass those requests on to Simon. But otherwise, simon.dorovich at aa.tax. Yeah, that's right. Excellent. All right, Simon, thank you much again. My pleasure. Listeners, Always good to be on. Thank you. Always good to have you. Come, come again. <laughs> uh, listeners, please tune in next time. Thank you. <laughs>